Chapter Four of The Court by B. M. Bauer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four. She's a good girl when she ain't crazy. When the sun has been up just long enough to take the before dawn chill from the air without having swallowed all the diamonds that spangle bush and twig and grass blade after a night's soaking rain, it is good to ride over the hills of Idaho and feel oneself a king and never mind the crown and the scepter. Lone Morgan, riding early to the sawtooth to see the foreman about getting a man for a few days to help replace a bridge carried fifty yards downstream by a local cloudburst, would not have changed places with a millionaire. The horse he rode was the horse he loved, the horse he talked to like a pal when they were by themselves. The ridge gave him a wide outlook to the four corners of the earth. Far to the north, the sawtooth range showed blue. The nearer mountains pansy purple where the pine trees stood. The foothills shaded delicately where a canyon swept down to the gray plain. To the south was the sagebrush, a soft gray-green carpet under the sun. The sky was blue. The clouds were handfuls of clean cotton floating lazily. Of the night's storm remained no trace save slippery mud when his horse struck a patch of clay, which was not often, and the packed sand, still wet and soggy from the beating rain. Rock City showed black and inhospitable even in the sunlight. The rock walls rose sheer, the roofs slanted rakishly, the signs scratched on the rock by facetious riders were pointless and inane. Lone picked his way through the crooked defile that was marked Main Street on the corner of the first huge boulder and came abruptly into the road. Here he turned north and shook his horse into a trot. A hundred yards or so down the slope beyond Rock City, he pulled up short with a, What the hell? that did not sound profane, but merely amazed. In the sodden road were the unmistakable footprints of a woman. Lone did not hesitate in naming the sex, for the wet sand held the imprint cleanly, daintily. Too shapely for a boy, too small for anyone but a child or a woman with little feet, and with the point of the toes proclaiming the fashion of the towns. Lone guessed at once that she was a town girl a stranger, probably, and that she had passed since the rain, which meant since daylight. He swung his horse and rode back, wondering where she could have spent the night. Halfway through Rock City, the footprints ended abruptly, and Lone turned back, riding down the trail at a lope. She couldn't have gone far, he reasoned, and if she had been out all night in the rain with no better shelter than Rock City afforded, she would need help. And lots of it, and pretty darn quick, he added to John Doe, which was the ambiguous name of his horse. Half a mile further on, he overtook her. Rather, he sighted her in the trail, saw her duck in amongst the rocks and scattered brush of a small ravine, and spurred after her. It was precarious footing for his horse when he left the road, but John Doe was accustomed to that. He jumped boulders, shied around buckthorn, crashed through sagebrush, and so brought the girl to bay against a wet bank, where she stood shivering. 
the terror in her face and her wide eyes would have made her famous in the movies it made lone afraid she was crazy lone swung off and went up to her guardedly not knowing just what an insane woman might do when cornered there now i'm not going to hurt you at all he soothed i guess maybe you're lost what made you run away from me when you saw me coming lorraine continued to stare at him i'm going to the ranch and if you'd like a ride i'll lend you my horse he'll be gentle if i lead him it's a right smart walk from here lone smiled meaning to reassure her are you the man i saw shoot that man and then fasten him to the stirrup of the saddle so the horse dragged him down the road if you are i i no oh no i'm not the man lone said gently i just now came from home better let me take you in to the ranch i was going to the ranch did you see him shoot that man and make the horse drag him make the horse he slashed that horse with the quirt and he went tearing down the road dragging it it was horrible yes yes don't worry about it we'll fix him you come and get on john doe and let me take you to the ranch come on you're wet as a duck pup that man was just riding along i saw him when it lightened and he shot him oh can't you do something yes yes they're after him right now here just put your foot in the stirrup i'll help you up why you're soaked perseveringly lone urged her to the horse you're soaking wet he exclaimed again it rained she muttered confusedly i thought it was the ranch but they were rocks just rocks did you see him shoot that man why why it shouldn't be allowed he ought to be arrested right away i'd have called a policeman but isn't thunder and lightning just perfectly awful and that horse going down the road dragging you'd better get someone to double for me in this scene she said irrelevantly i i don't know this horse and if he starts running the boys might not catch him in time it isn't safe is it it's safe said lone pityingly you won't be dragged you just get on and ride and i'll lead him john doe's gentle as a dog just straight riding lorraine considered the matter gravely well but i saw a man dragged once he'd been shot first it it was awful i'll bet it was how'd you come to be walking so far lorraine looked at him suspiciously lone thought her eyes were the most wonderful eyes and the most terrible that he had ever seen almond-shaped they were the irises a clear dark gray the eyeballs blue-white like a healthy baby's that was the wonder of them but their glassy shine made them terrible her lids lifted in a sudden stare you're not the man are you i i think he was taller than you and his hat was brown he's a brute a beast 
to shoot a man just riding along. It rained, she added plaintively. My bag is back there somewhere, under a bush. I think I could find the bush. It was where a rabbit was sitting. But he's probably gone by this time. A rabbit, she told him impressively, wouldn't sit out in the rain all night, would he? He'd get wet, and a rabbit would feel hard when he was wet. Such thick fur, he never would get dried out. Where do they go when it rains? They have holes in the ground, don't they? Yes, sure they do. I'll show you one down the road here, little piece. Come on, it ain't far. To see a rabbit hole in the ground, Lorraine consented to mount and ride while Lone walked beside her, agreeing with everything she said that needed agreement. When she had gone a few rods, however, she began to call him Charlie and to criticize the direction of the picture. They should not, she declared, mix murders and thunderstorms in the same scene. While the storm effect was perfectly wonderful, she thought it rather detracted from the killing. She did not believe in lumping big stuff together like that. Why not have the killing done by moonlight and use the storm when the murder was getting away? Or something like that. And as for taking them out on location and making all these storm scenes without telling them in advance so that they could have dry clothes afterwards, she thought it a perfect outrage. If it were not for spoiling the picture, she would quit, she asserted indignantly. She thought the director had better go back to driving a laundry wagon, which was probably where he came from. Lone agreed with her, even though he did not know what she was talking about. He walked as fast as he could, but even so, he could not travel the six miles to the ranch very quickly. He could see that the girl was burning up with fever, and he could hear her voice growing husky, could hear, too, the painful laboring of her breath. When she was not mumbling incoherent nonsense, she was laughing hoarsely at the plight she was in, and after that she would hold both hands to her chest and moan in a way that made Lone grind his teeth. When he lifted her off the horse at the foreman's cottage, she was whispering things no one could understand. Three cowpunchers came running and hindered him a good deal in carrying her into the house, and the foreman's wife ran excitedly from one room to the other, asking questions and demanding that someone do something. For pity's sake, she may be dying for all you know, while you stand there gomping like fool hens. She was out all night in the rain, got lost somehow. She said she was coming here, so I brought her on. She's down with a cold, Mrs. Hawkins. Better take off them wet clothes and put hot blankets around her, and a poultice or something on her chest, I reckon. Lone turned to the door, stopped to roll a cigarette, and watched Mrs. Hawkins hurrying to Lorraine with a whiskey toddy the cook had mixed for her. A sweat's awful good for a cold like she's got, he volunteered practically. She's out of her head or she was when I found her, but I reckon that's mostly scare from being lost all night. Give her a good sweat, why don't you? He reached the doorstep and then turned back to add, She left a grip back somewhere along the road. I'll go hunt it up, I reckon. 
he mounted john doe and rode down to the corral where two or three riders were killing time on various pretexts while they waited for details of lone's adventure delirious young women of the silk stocking class did not arrive at the sawtooth every morning and it was rumored already amongst the men that she was some looker which naturally whetted their interest in her i'll bet it's one of bob's girls come trailing him up maybe another of them heart bound cases of bob's hazarded pop bridgers who read nothing unless it was printed on pink paper and who refused to believe that any good could come out of a city ain't that right loney ain't she a heart bound girl of bob's from the saddle lone stared down impassively at pop and pop's companions but i don't know a thing about her he stated emphatically she said she was coming to the ranch and she was scared of the thunder and lightning that's every word of sense i could get out of her she ain't altogether ignorant she knows how to climb on a horse anyway and she kicked about having to ride sideways on account of her skirts she was plumb out of her head and talk wild but she handled her reins like a rider and she never mentioned bob nor anybody else except some fellow she calls charlie she thought i was him but she only talked to me friendly she didn't pull any love talk at all charlie pop ruminated over a fresh quid of tobacco charlie maybe bob he stakes himself to a different name now and then there ain't any charlie except charlie warner she wouldn't mean him you s'pose charlie warner huh say pop she ain't no squaw is she loney sid sterling remonstrated if i can read brands loan testified she's no girl of bob's she's a good honest girl and she ain't crazy and no good honest girl who is not crazy could possibly be a girl of mine is that the idea lone lone turned unhurriedly and looked at young bob warfield standing in the stable door with his hands on his trousers pockets and his pipe in his mouth that ain't the argument pop here was wondering if she was another heart ballam girl of yours lone grinned unabashedly i don't know such a hell of a lot about heart balm ladies bob i ain't a millionaire i'm just making a guess at their brand and it ain't the brand this little lady carries bob removed one hand from his pocket and cuddled the bowl of his pipe if she's a woman she's a heart balmer if she gets the chance they all are down deep in their tricky hearts there isn't a woman on earth it won't sell a man's soul out of his body if she happens to think it's worth her while and she can get away with it but don't for any sake call her my heart bomber that was pop drawled lone it don't strike me as being any subject for you fellows to make remarks about anyway he advised pop firmly she's a right nice little girl and she's pretty darn sick he touched john doe with the spurs and rode away stopping at the foreman's gate to finish his business with hawkins he was a conscientious young man and since he had charge of elk spring camp he set its interests above his own 
which was more than some of the sawtooth men would have done in his place. Having reported the damage to the bridge and made his suggestions about the repairs, he touched up John Doe again and loped away on a purely personal matter, which had to do with finding the bag which the girl had told him was under a bush where a rabbit had been sitting. If she had not been so very sick, Moan would have laughed at her naive method of identifying the spot, but he was too sorry for her to be amused at the vagaries of her sick brain. He did not believe anything she had said, except that she had been coming to the ranch and had left her bag under a bush beside the road. It should not be difficult to find it, if he followed the road and watched closely for bushes on either side. Until he reached the place where he had first sighted her, Lone rode swiftly, anxious to be through with the business and go his way. But when he came upon her footprints again, he pulled up and held John Doe to a walk, scanning each bush and boulder as he passed. It seemed probable that she had left the grip at Rock City, where she must have spent the night. She had spoken of being deceived into thinking the place was the Sawtooth Ranch until she had come into it and found it just rocks. Then he reasoned the storm had broken, and her fright had held her there. When daylight came, she had either forgotten the bag or had left it deliberately. At Rock City, then, Lone stopped to examine the base of every rock, even riding around those nearest the road. The girl, he guessed shrewdly, had not wandered off the main highway, else she would not have been able to find it again. Rock City was confusing unless one was perfectly familiar with its curious winding lanes. It was when he was riding slowly around the boulder-marked Palace Hotel, rates reasonable, that he came upon the place where a horse had stood on the side best sheltered from the storm. Deep hoof marks closely overlapping, an overturned stone here and there, gave proof enough and the rain-beaten soil that blurred the hoof-prints farthest from the rock told him more. Lone backed away, dismounted, and, stepping carefully, went close. He could see no reason why a horse should have stood there with his head toward the road ten feet away, unless his rider were waiting for something, or someone. There were other boulders near which offered more shelter from rain. Next to the rock, he discovered a boot track, evidently made when the rider dismounted. He thought of the wild statement of the girl about seeing someone shoot a man, and wondered briefly if there could be a basis of truth in what she said. But the road showed no sign of a struggle, though there were, here and there, hoof-prints half-washed out with the rain. Long went back to his horse and rode on, still looking for the bag. His search was thorough, and being a keen-eyed young man, he discovered the place where Lorraine had crouched down by a rock. She must have stayed there all night, for the scuffed soil was dry where her body had rested, and her purse, caught in the juniper bush close by, was sodden with rain. A poor little kid, he muttered, and with a sudden impulse he turned and looked toward the rock behind which the horse had stood. Help had been that close, and she had not known it, unless... If anything happened there last night, she could have seen it from here, he decided, and immediately put the thought away from him. But nothing happened, he added. 
unless maybe she saw him ride out and go on down the road. She was out of her head and just imagined things. He slipped the soaked purse into his coat pocket, remounted and rode on slowly, looking for the grip and half-believing she had not been carrying one, but had dreamed it just as she had dreamed that a man had been shot. He rode past the bag without seeing it, for Lorraine had thrust it far back under a stocky bush whose scraggly branches nearly touched the ground. So it came at last to the creek, swollen with the night's storm, so that it was swift and dangerous. Lone was turning back when John Doe threw up his head, stared up the creek for a moment, and whinnied shrilly. Lone stood in the stirrups and looked. A blaze-faced horse was standing a short rifle shot away, bridled and with an empty saddle. Whether he was tied or not, Lone could not tell at that distance. But he knew the horse by its banged forelock and its white face and sorrel ears, and he knew the owner of the horse. He rode toward it slowly. Whoa, you rattle-headed fool, he admonished when the horse snorted and backed a step or two as he approached. He saw the bridle reins dangling, broken, where the horse had stepped on them in running. Broke loose and run off again, he said as he took down the rope and widened the loop. I'll bet Thurman would sell you for a bent nickel this morning. The horse squatted and jumped when he cast the loop, and then stood quivering and snorting while Lone dismounted and started toward him. Ten steps from the horse, Lone stopped short, staring, for down in the bushes on the farther side, half lay, half hung, the limp form of a man. End of chapter 4 Recording by Tom Penn